Hey, welcome to another edition of Coaching You Live, our podcast. And this week, a guy that's been a friend of mine for years, Johnny Dawkins, the head coach of UCF basketball in Orlando, Florida, the largest university in America, uh, and as I'd like to say, NCAA football champs. And uh, just uh, a neat place. But Johnny uh, was a great player at Duke. Uh, was the 10th pick of the San Antonio Spurs. He was a great player in college, you know, had all kinds of injuries in the NBA, Uh, decided to go into coaching at Coach K's request uh, and just found his niche, became a fabulous assistant on so many of the great Duke National Championship teams, became the head coach of Stanford, Uh, did a terrific job at Stanford, then got let go unexpectedly and within a few weeks became the head coach of UCF and uh, it's been terrific for them. Uh, He is one of the really high character uh, people that I know in our profession. Uh, The best part about it is I consider him a friend. He's a great coach, a terrific person. I think you're really going to enjoy Johnny Dawkins. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of coaching you for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. I'm so excited for our guest today, as promised, uh, Johnny Dawkins, the head coach at the University of Central Florida, UCF my hometown university for my 20 years I lived in Orlando and lucky enough to work there for five years just prior to Johnny coming. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fine. You know, uh, you know, when, when you uh, started as, you know, as a great high school player in Washington, D.C. at Mackin High School, and you made a bold move as a, one of the best guards in the country to pick Duke, which now would be an easy decision for anyone to make. It's, it was an easy decision then as far as an academic school, but what went into the thought process and what schools were you looking at back then as a player? <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, great question. Uh, for me, uh, you know, you know, a lot went into making the decision, of course. Uh, I had, you know, real good counsel uh, from my high school coach. My parents uh, were definitely involved in, in uh, the, the schools I was considering. Uh, you know, like you said earlier, you know, making that decision back then, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but uh, I was happy that I was, you know, at the beginning stages of, you know, what turned out to be an amazing, you know, run for, for our university. So, uh, for me, 
I think uh, schools that I was interested in were schools, you know, such as DePaul back then. Uh, I was interested in Notre Dame, uh, Georgetown, Maryland, uh, a handful of schools that I was, you know, interested in based on the time of that I was coming out as a senior and, and what I had been watching. Okay, so... You know, all those programs, people don't realize DePaul was a national power back then. Uh, and, of course, Notre Dame has always been uh, and always had a good pipeline into D.C., Maryland almost being a hometown. And then, of course, the great John Thompson's the coach of Georgetown back then. What made you pick almost, in many ways, the least obvious school? Uh, you know, that was, I think, a combination of things. Uh, one, I felt real comfortable uh, on my visit. Also, uh, I really, you know, liked the league at that time that we were competing in that I, that I was looking at, you know, a lot of those games were, were televised and I had a chance to watch a lot of, a lot of the different teams in the ACC compete. So I think all that was a draw. Uh, of course, you know, coach K, uh, getting to know him, uh, and developing that relationship through the recruiting process. You know, I think he was probably the coach that, you know, spent the most time with me, you know, and, and I always think about that in recruiting now. Uh, his commitment was there because he was always, you know, in touch or the system was always, you know, in touch. And, uh, you know, they made you feel like, you know, that that you were really, you know, wanted and needed there. And uh, I never forget that, you know, feeling for not just myself, but for my parents as well. And I think that uh, kind of, you know, really put it over the top. So when you went to Duke uh, and you went you were at a time when uh, your dear friend of mine, uh, Jay Billis, was there. And Jay always says, you know, the you know one of the greatest players ever at Duke, which is, you know, uh, an incredible thing since it's such an amazing basketball uh, university. But people a lot of times don't realize that even though you were a lead guard, point guard, how many points you scored at Duke and that you were a four-year player, right? No, definitely. And uh, that's probably why I scored as many points as I did, of course, uh, having to play, you know, the entire, you know, uh, career there. But, yeah, I scored over 2,500 points. Uh, you know, it was it was a great career. But I you know, I think it was made so because of my teammates. Yeah. You know, I was very fortunate to have, you know, great teammates and coaching. And uh, that led to what I had is some individual achievements. But you know, I view all those things as teams' accomplishments. You know, I scored over 2,500 points. By the same token, you know, I graduated with a player who also scored over 2,000 points in Mark Allery. Yeah. I graduated with, you know, another player that scored probably 1,700 points in David Henderson. Graduated with another player who scored over 1,000 points with Jay Billis. So you're talking about four players in one class all scored over 1,000 and, and two players scored over 2,000. So it was just a very good team. It was all about team. It was all about winning. You know, and uh, there was no real agendas. And uh, I think, you know, the culmination of that was me, you know, being very fortunate coming out with a, you know, uh, you know, you know, a really good number of points for career, but also just the success of, you know, watching the team win, you know, our last year to the level that we were able to win. Now, Johnny, I, I was in the league then um, with the Atlanta Hawks when you came out of school. Uh, you were a lottery pick, in essence, of modern day lottery. Uh, was it the 11th pick? I'm thinking offhand. I don't have any actual notes in front of me. What were you picked? Uh, the 10th pick. 10th pick. I'm sorry. Boy, I love it when you guys can correct me <laughs> on that. 10th pick. Okay. So, you're, you know, you're an incredible player. If things were, you know, were moving to the future, 
would you have left school early because you were so good? Would the pressure have been on to go earlier is after your sophomore, junior year if it was today? Do you know what I mean? No, I grapple with that question all the time yeah. from people. And, uh, you know, and I like to think I would have stayed and got my degree. Yep. But, you know, in reality, that's very difficult. Uh, watching what these young people are having <laughs> to go through and making that decision now. And, uh, you know, if I'm, you know, fast forwarded myself to this time period. I think it would have been hard not to to go earlier. It's just the, the way you know the way society has moved in that direction. So yeah. uh, I would like to think I would have stayed and got my degree. I know I would have gone back and gotten for it. sure. I'm confident of that. Uh, it just I don't know if I would have been able to stay for the full four years. And also, you know, uh, the way th- things are, if we had to collect the bargaining agreement now, you definitely would have left because the average salary in the league now is eight and a half million per player. <laughs> that's amazing, know, right? You know. uh, how fast it's, it's it's changed and grown, and that just shows the popularity of the sport. I don't even want to tell people, our, our listeners, what uh, the 10th player got in his first year then, uh, but I want to you, – you can tell them if you want, but I, I can almost promise you now it's between – it's about between 2 and $3 million for and the first year. Back then, that would have been probably between four and four fifty. Uh, yep, and, and I remember when Isaiah Thomas came out as the second pick in the draft, and I think he got three hundred, uh, you know, as his first year contract. And I had Dominique Wilkins in Atlanta as his third pick in the draft, and he was like a two hundred. You know, <laughs> nowadays it'd be like five and a half million. So uh, sometimes we were all born too soon, but uh, but. Tell me about what it was like going to the Spurs as a young player. Uh, you know, going to the Spurs as a young player was, was great for me because uh, it was a, it was an organization that had success, and then it kind of, you know, kind of started to kind of fall apart a little bit. So, you know, I was there doing a rebuild. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was a lot to learn as a, as a rookie uh, from that regard. And so uh, as I got into the organization and we started working toward trying to turn the program back around, you know, it was a heck of a challenge. You know, back then, I mean, you're talking about the dominant teams were the Lakers and the Celtics. And so, you know, at West, we had the Lakers six times. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, you know, but I learned a lot from them because in watching the Lakers play, you know, I remember my days of playing in college and, and just the communication that we had by the time we were juniors and seniors. And then I'm watching the communication that, that the Lakers had. And it just brought back memories of, okay, to be successful, you know, you have to be willing to communicate. You have to be willing to talk. And that's something that, uh, you know, I carry with me to this day, you know, forward in coaching and, and what I do. But, you know, but Spurs, it was, it was, an, it was a, you know, it was an interesting times, like I said, because it was challenging. Uh, you know, I had won 37 games pr- that prior year in college. And now I'm looking at maybe trying to win 25 games, trying to, trying to get to 25 games as a rookie, you know, it was, it was a, uh, it was a tough pill to swallow. Uh, so, but it, but you need that type of adversity in order to grow. And I think that's what I was able to do, you know, from that experience. So you, you go from the Spurs to the Sixers, you know, and then on to the Pistons as a disclaimer, uh, make sure everyone <laughs> understands I was not coaching the Pistons when you arrived, okay? Because, uh, you know, I would have made sure you started. I would have benched Isaiah. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, when you decided to stop playing, and what was the thought process? You're, you come from a great school. You have a degree. Uh, you, you, made, you, know, you made some money. 
Uh, what do you do? How did you? What was the thought process on what's next? Well, I mean, for me, that's a little bit of a longer story. You know, I, in my career, I'd been healthy all the way until I got to to to, to the NBA, uh, relatively healthy. And you know, in the NBA, I had you know several you know key injuries that kind of you know derailed right. my career. You know, I had perineal nerve loss. People may not realize that. Uh, after perineal nerve loss, two years later, I have uh, tear my ACL, which at that time was a career-ending injury. Yep. Uh, there's only a handful of players that at that time would ever even attempted to come back or have come back from that. So uh, having gone through those injuries and, you know, knowing that I wasn't myself anymore, knowing that uh, I couldn't move the way I used to move, uh, you know, was was difficult. And so I had to make that decision as to, you know, do I want to continue to go out there and really struggle and knowing I'm not at my best and it can't help the team as much as I want to, or, or do I, you know, look to do something else? And uh, I never forget the call. I got uh, the opportunity to, you know, play one more year. Uh, I got a call from the Washington Wizards. It was Jim Lynham picked up the phone, mm-hmm. and gave me a call, and said, you know, Johnny, you know, how about coming, you know, and playing for us? And uh, I never forget the conversation. I, I said to him, Jimmy, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. But I'd be stealing, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not who I once was. And I'll never forget his comment back to me was, Johnny, I appreciate your honesty. And uh, that's how my that was the last opportunity for me. And I never regretted it. You know, I would have loved to have helped him and played for him because I really enjoyed playing for him when I was with the Sixers. Sure. Except I, I don't want to go out there and be less than my best and can't give what I know I was capable of. And. And uh, so the decision was, wasn't very difficult. You know, I said, that's it. And then I uh, took about a year and a half off and tried to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And, uh, I mean, you, you wouldn't know this. You know, I, I thought about being an athletic director. That was my next my next step. I said, you know, I can be an athletic director. Maybe I can work with young people, help mentor them, help try to, you know, take them from, you know, young, you know, boys to young men. And, you know, about six months into a program I was in, you know, I got the opportunity to coach. And our uh, coach, you know, picked up the phone, gave me a call, said, what, have you, what do you think about coaching? And I uh, said, you know, whenever your coach tells you that, it's probably just like, well, I guess I'm coaching now. <laughs> so <laughs> so it was, I guess he wasn't asking me a question. He was telling me that's what I was doing. And uh, you know what? And I really appreciate him doing that because I didn't see myself coaching but I was happy that he did because uh, it, it's given me an amazing opportunity and platform, as I said before, to really help young people, uh, to, you know, give them some direction and help them grow. And we all need people to do that in our lives. And uh, I was fortunate to have coaches and family members do that for me. And all I'm trying to do is do the same thing for the young people I have a chance to, to impact on a daily basis. You know, Coach K is, uh, you know, I've known since he was uh, a first year coach at West Point and uh, coached against him all the way back then. So we've had a journey together, and of course, uh, you know, we're on the dream team together with Chuck Daly. And uh, I've always, he's been always one of my very favorite people. And uh, and I, I love him because of a couple of things. One, he's so incredibly honest and truthful, and he doesn't mince words, and he truly loves his players, which is the essence of coaching, in my opinion. Uh, tell me the influence Coach K had on you as well, a coach. What you just said before, I mean, with me, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be where I am now if, you know, if he hadn't given me the opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. I always say the basketball part was easy for me. You know, I was a good player. But the other things that you had to learn about the world, learn about, you know, this profession, uh, giving me an opportunity to transition to be a coach, 
you know, those weren't there for me if it hadn't been for him. And so, you know, I'm always grateful for that. And uh, and more so, you know, I was fortunate to you know, have a good career and, and things went well. But I'm also, you know, always you know, amazed that that's not my experience. But I look at the other young people experiences that have come along behind me and uh, what he's been able to do to help them continue to grow and, and move in different directions. You know, he's always willing to assist in, in trying to, you know, help you without, you know, without wanting anything, help you, you know, move in your career. And uh, that's something that, you know, I look at a lot of the former players and what they're doing, not all playing basketball. And, uh, you know, he has a hand in a lot of that. And uh, and that's something to, to be proud of. And, and if you want to try to, you know, emulate a coach, you want to emulate a coach that, understands the importance of the players that he's coached and and how to continue to help and give back to them as they move you know through their journey in life you know when uh, and i'm not sure numerically if you were but you said i think a big trend at duke in that as a former player becoming joining his staff i don't know if you're the first one uh that he had but now the thing that's so in- intriguing what mike does is Every assistant at Duke is a former player, and I think that is so cool. No, that's 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 amazing that he's been able to do that. And no, I wasn't the first, you know, former player. Uh, he had Tommy Amaker, Jay Billis, all oh. those guys came along before I, me. You know, Quinn I, Snyder. I forgot how much. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, I forgot so those I, guys were I earlier was, than you down yeah. the line with regards to that. But uh, I think what what having by having his former players be a part of his program, uh, I think the culture stays. The same, even mm-hmm. in this 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 era of like one and done and all of that, by having guys that have been, you know, there and have played there and have coached with him, you know, you know the system. I mean, yeah. you know the system inside out. And so, uh, I think as far as teaching and, and keeping some continuity with regards to how everything runs there, you know, offensively and defensively, and even off the court, uh, I think having former players be a part of it has, has been, you know, a great idea. It's been amazing because. You know, we know that the culture, you know, those are our culture keepers. The, the former players are, the, are actually the ones keeping the culture as uh, these young players are moving through our through our program. Hey, let's talk about the two guys that you mentioned. Uh, Tommy Amaker is one of the very best coaches in the country, head coach of Harvard. Tell us about Tommy. If, you, if any of the listeners out there don't know him, have never seen him coach, what makes Tommy so good? Uh, I mean, one, you know, he's, you know, you know, super intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, you know, he has an amazing attention to detail. I mean, he sees the little details and everything and uh, works through those things. So he usually doesn't miss much. In other words, when he's, you know, whether he's putting something together, you know, for his team or whether it's out, you know, when he's out doing anything for Harvard, I'm sure it's the same way. Uh, that attention to detail serves him well. Like he's not going to miss any points as what's going on. Uh, he's usually, you know, when he's in that room, you know, he has, you know, a real good feel for for people and, and what needs to happen. And uh, I think, you know, I think because of that, the players that he's that he's coached, they see that in him and mm-hmm. uh, him being a former point guard, especially and, and having to be more of a servant. You know, I think they see that in him that he's always willing to give, always willing to serve. And, uh, you know, you can't fake that. People have to, you know, know that you care about them and you want to, you know, want to be a part of their success, not just your own success. I think that's why he's been, you know, so good at what he does that he's he's selfless. And so and, and I think people feel that about him, you know, when they're playing for him or when they're working for him. And uh, that's that's probably a big part of why he's had so much success. Let's talk about Jay Billis. Uh, he's one of the most extraordinary 
humans I've ever met. Uh, I feel the guy could be successful at any, and he has been at anything he does. Uh, you knew him from his playing days all the way through to now. He's a dear friend of yours. What uh, things about Jay that makes him so successful? Well, well, again, I think Jay's real sharp. Uh, I think Jay's a person who, you know, he's a, you know, he's a lawyer. So, you know, he's, <laughs> he's going to be argumentative. You know that about him and uh, he's going to come with different angles and, and approaches to things because of that background. But that's, that's kind of how he was also in college. I mean, you could see him, you know, you know, moving in this type of direction, uh, even when we were, you know, freshmen. I mean, he was, he was the guy that would grab the spoon and would interview you after the, after you've had, you know, your press conference. He, now he's interviewing you like, man, what is this guy doing? And, uh, now, you know, you see him on television, you realize that, and that was all preparation for what he, what he wanted to become, you know. So I think there's a man who had a plan. You know, he had a plan from, you know, from 1982 and he executed his plan very well for his career. He's been able to, know move forward in this this profession which is it's very challenging and, it's, and it has had amazing run because of his i think his ability to understand people his ability to uh to you know understand you know what he wants to to get out of this game and what he wants to see this game become you know rarely have we uh that i have that i've seen someone uh that is as talented as jay and that uh, we had him speak at Coaching You several years ago at UCF, ironically, uh, before you got there. And he came in and delivered one of the best coaching talks I've ever seen. And and it just shows that how good a coach he could have been if that's all he had ever done. Yeah, I, I agree. I think whatever he chose, he was going to be successful at. You know, he chose, you know, he wanted yeah. to do uh, television and you know, wanted to be part of the game in that regard. And uh, he's been very successful, as you know, doing that. Uh, he's one of ESPN's top analysts now because of, you know, that ability. But like you said, if he had chosen coaching, he would have been equally successful. Uh, whatever he had, uh, you know, chose to do, you know, I think he would have found a way to uh, to maximize his talents and, and to be very good at it because, one, he's another player that, you know, is, that had amazing attention to detail. You know, every day I would watch him in, uh, in the gym and watch him, you know, execute certain things. And it was all about the, the details and what he had to do to be successful. And, and uh, any person that's willing to work through those things, you know, usually going to find success. I mean, they don't, you know, they usually don't leave no stone unturned and they're going to find a way to, to accomplish what they want to accomplish in life as well as the sport. And I think that's what he's been able to attain, you know, through his career. When you were coaching as a, Kay's associate head coach uh, at Duke. Give uh, our listeners an idea of some of the players that you were coaching back then. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That, that, that would be a, that's a long list. I know. Uh, know, That's what I'm saying. I mean, people forget how good these guys were. (laughs) Well, Jason Williams, I mean, arguably one of the best guards that I know I've ever coached or or watched, you know, play collegiate basketball. Incredible incredible college player. One of the best I've ever seen as a freshman, sophomore, is as good as anyone I've ever seen in college basketball, right? Absolutely, and I felt the same way. He, I mean, he had that rare combination of explosiveness plus speed and quickness. I mean, he had power because he's built like a you know a, you know a heavyweight mm-hmm. middleweight boxer. I mean, he he had he had everything uh, that you want as a player. He shot it well enough on the perimeter, but yet he can get to the basket at will. I mean, he was. Great, great college player. I mean, I think people don't realize he probably was like two-time national player of the year. He was. Yep. I mean, I, there's probably a handful of guys that's ever done that. So uh, the, 
you know, so probably one of the greatest guards that uh, I think I've ever played in college. And uh, so it was fun coaching him. Uh, you know, J.J. Redick, we, we've been watching with the Sixers, you know, now. And, you know, his resurgence with them has really helped kind of lead and guide them, you know, in a, in a really good direction. You know, it was fun coaching him. Probably one of the best shooters that I've ever had a chance to to witness. I mean, I've never seen a shot, whether it's a five-foot jumper or a 25-foot jumper. It was always the same with him. Uh, just his technique was, was so sound and, you know, and it was a heck of a competitor as well. So he was another guy who uh, – you know, I can remember, you know, just, you know, watching him on a daily basis. And he actually broke my record. So I was uh, just going to say that. Scoring yeah. lead. I had it for 20 years. So I'm, I'm giving him an asterisk because I didn't have the three. But if I say it was fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to watch. And I had guys like, uh, you know, Mike Dunleavy, you know, <laughs> long, you know, just versatile player. You know, Mike, people don't realize Mike came in at 6'6". Mike probably left at about 6'10". Yeah. So uh, just very versatile, could play, could guard multiple positions, could, you know, play different things on the floor for you. Or a coach, I mean, he's a fun guy because you could just do so much with him out there on the floor. I mean, you could just, your imagination can run wild with a guy with his with his versatility. Uh, you know, Elton Brand. Mm-hmm. Elton Brand was, I mean, just, just talking about just from day one when we threw up the ball in the first practice, just imposed his will right away. Like, this is who I am. You know, I'm not going to be stopped. And uh, just was fun coaching him because of just how, how relentless he was on the basketball floor at everything that he did. I mean, he ran the floor super hard. Couldn't stop him in a low post. One of the best offensive rebounds I ever had a chance to to watch, you know. And just, you know, he was so consistent at what he did. And uh, Carlos Boozer, <laughs> another big, you know, the same way. Carlos was just a player that – you know, was very, you know, you know, efficient in low posts, you know, just really anything around the basket he was going to finish, step outside 15, 17 feet, knock down the jump shot, you know, physical player in the low post. I mean, he was another guy who, you know, I thought was uh, just really, really hard to guard, you know, in the collegiate level and in turn to be hard to guard in the pro level as well. I mean, you, was, know, you know, what's was, amazing about uh, Booz is that, uh, you know, I saw him play his last uh, college game. I actually saw senior night there and, uh, uh, against Maryland, I think they lost too. It was a, and uh, and it was amazing. Uh, and was that a game he got hurt? I think that's right. Yep. And I said to myself, because again, even though I'm, you know, I was with the Pistons as an executive, then I'm saying to myself, and I love Duke, and I'm saying they're done. They are done. They don't have a chance now. And it was like a Tuesday night. And I'm driving to like UNC Charlotte to see a game the next day, and I'm listening to talk radio in the Durham area, and they're saying, "Oh God, they're done. The Blue Devils are done." And I and I'm I'm feeling sorry for you and Kay, and oh man, this is going to be tough. And you go in and beat number one ranked Carolina by about twenty at Carolina on Sunday. I, I was I'd never seen anything like that. And is it not true that? Uh, you and Kate changed the whole game plan of how you were going to play without booze. Uh, well, I would I would say coach changed the game plan. Of how we play without booze. <laughs> you know, Here, I, here's I, the I never, thing I always say: we give him credit once, but after that, it was your idea. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I'll give him credit. I mean, you know what? You know, it was amazing. One of the best. One of the best talks with you know to a team that that I'd ever seen delivered. You know, pro or you know pro or collegiately. Uh, you know, just walked in there and you know talked about you know, okay, you know, we've had an obstacle we have to overcome. And he said, hey, here's how we're going to do it. 
you know, we're still going to win. This is how we're going to win. <laughs> and uh, went, laid it out. And, uh, you know, guys went out there and executed the game plan. And we were able to get the win. And uh, go on to win the national championship that year. Incredible. And, uh, which was incredible considering, as you mentioned, everybody thought our season was done when our, when Carlos went down. Yep. And, and, and that was absolutely maybe at the collegiate level, I've never seen anything like that when you lose, you know, arguably your best or second best player. And, you know, the thing also about Carlos was that, uh, first of all, you know, the guy becomes a second round pick as dominant a college player. He becomes a damn second round pick, which all my NBA experts at <laughs> personnel and then he becomes a max player right? right so that tells you uh and and the guy i he had an incredible ability to post up and and had a great uh center of gravity and stuff and had toughness too right no absolutely no he was he was he was definitely tough he was you know he would compete I mean, I mean, it was with Utah and Darren Williams. I mean, they became the, the next version of Stockton and Malone. I yep. mean, they had it going for a little while there. I was just disappointed they broke that team up. But, I mean, I thought that was just some of his best years with Utah. And uh, he really helped them turn the corner during that time that he was there. And, uh, no, he's, he was talented. And uh, another player that uh, you, that you'll remember is uh, Shane Battier. I had a chance to coach Shane, who was, uh, who was, was a remarkable person. I mean, I used to see him. He's the only 18-year-old I've ever seen on campus who I literally thought was more like 38 as opposed to 18. I'm like, I, I never, I could never envision him being just a teenager because he was always that mature. And uh, his approach to everything. You know, he was the guy I kept saying, you know, one day we're all going to sit around. This, this man right here is going to be in president. I yep. mean, he was that a little that disappointed good, that, that he's not person, there yet. That, that talented. <laughs> He, you know, he grew up in Birmingham, you know, uh, you know, when I was uh, still up living in Detroit. And so I knew him from his high school years on, and I was always blown away by him. And one day, as I'm traveling at the Detroit airport, he's going back to Duke. And usually when I see a college player uh, that knows me, they'll talk to me for maybe a minute, you know, because, you know, they run out of stuff to say and. I run out of stuff to talk to them about it. And we talk for over an hour. <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry we both got to get on planes. God, I mean, he is just so amazing a kid. And yeah. uh, he's another guy that can, you know, really, he's so talented. He's in many ways similar to Jay in in an ability to figure out what he wants to do, you know, because he, he could almost pick what he wants, I think. You know, you're right there. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams 
and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Now you had you got involved with the uh, USA Basketball. Uh, yes. You know, having been involved with USA Basketball, it's an incredible growth thing for you personally. How was that, yes. you know, when you were working there uh, with, you know, Coach K? Well, it really was. I mean, that was, I was, you know, honored to, you know, anytime you can, you know, represent your country and do anything, you know, that that's something that uh, I think, shoot, you give your right arm for. I know I would. Mm-hmm. And so had a chance to you know, uh, represent our country and, and coach against teams from around the world. And so I loved it. You know, people talked about the, you know, NBA players and how oh, you're not going to like it. It's different now. And I just never had a bad day. I mean, we had some great players and every day I looked forward to going in and working with them. And I thought we had, you know, we shared some you know really good experiences. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'll give you one, one, one quick story on, on one of the players, uh, two of the players that may be fun for, for your listeners. You know, one, and to talk about leadership, you know, I, you know, Jason Kidd was was put on the team, and and so I'm in charge, and I'm director of player development. So my job is to, you know, work with the guys before and after practice, get them up shots, you know, you know, just you know, just making sure that you know, just continuing to sharpen their skills. And my very first, you know, day after a practice, you know, we're in the gym, and it's only two guys in the gym. It's myself. It's uh. I'm sorry, three, because myself, Jason Kidd, and Mike Miller. I never forget it. We're just in the gym and we're getting up shots, and and I'm just watching them shoot. And you know, I'm a little you know disappointed, but I'm not saying anything. But you know, I was hoping to see you know more guys, and and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm hopefully you know to get better as the week goes on and get more guys in here. And and then Jason Kidd looked over to me and he said, you know, don't worry, coach. And I'm like. You know, what are you talking about? Because I hadn't said anything. I'm just, you know, kind of thinking to myself and watching what we're doing and rebounding for these guys. And he said, don't worry. He said it again. I'm like, you know, I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, uh, he said before this week is over, the whole team will be in here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> the, ne- the next day, five guys. The next day, eight guys. The next day, 12 guys. I'm is like, that oh, right? my gosh. Talk about leadership. Talking about understanding how to get it done. Uh, at a high level. I mean, that was Jason Kidd. And the other story would be, you know, Kobe Bryant. You know, uh, we had a day where uh, we were getting ready to practice the next morning, getting ready for everything. And and uh, Kobe comes in and he says, hey, you know, you know, I'd like, like for you to work me out. And I'm like, sure. And I'm like, what time? He said, you know, let's meet downstairs at 8 a.m. I'm like, not a problem. I get in about 7.50. Kobe's already there. So... We start. We head over to the to the arena to go start working out. Now this workout, I have a rebounder for me and I have a screener. So the, you know, I have people that are helping me. All I have to do is pass. That man went for three and a half hours nonstop. Even when I would have a break for water or anything of that nature, he would always tell me no. Kept working. If he missed a certain number of shots, we did something in the full court. No problem, coach. Went at it hard. You know, hey, you know, you missed a few over here. Can you go to the other wing? He'd sprint over to the other wing and do it. 
I mean, three and a half hours he did that for over a thousand shots. Wow. And I mean, at, by the time we got to, you know, I don't know what the number was, but the last 45 minutes of the workout, you know, I'm about to tap out because I can't continue to pass the ball anymore. Your All arms I'm are ready passing. to fall I'm not off. screening or rebounding. <laughs> I'm just passing. And so it's now it's like, it's, you know, 8 o'clock. We start at about 8.15. So now it's about 11.45. And I'm going, you know, Kobe, we have to, you know, we have to go. I mean, I have to, you know, I have a staff meeting. You know, we're talking about going over to practice, you know, and I need to know what they want us doing. So, you know, we have to go over to meetings at 10 o'clock. And he was, he looked pissed like, he was disappointed that we couldn't keep going. Wow. So you're talking about, and at that time he was, that's, you're talking about 2007 or so. Yeah. So you're talking about at that time he was at the peak of his game, one of the greatest players, you know, in the game at that, during that date and time. And he was still working that hard to become that, that good, still looking for that edge. And uh, I'll never forget that. So, you know, I tell that to a lot of young players about that want to be, that say they want to be great. I give them that story a lot about, you know, what I witnessed and, and how hard that man prepared you know, for what he wanted to become. That is a great story. And, uh, and I think, you know, when you're recruiting the young people that you are, they all want to be pros. And then you tell them, here's what you have to do to be one. You're not even t- skimming the surface, you know, just saying it doesn't get you there, you know? And, uh, and that's why, you know, you're able you now, w- one of the things I thought, uh, you know, again, we we're, we're everyone in our business, we, we kind of, on the inside of it, we kind of look, and I, I felt that you were the next in line to become the head coach at Duke. I didn't think Coach K would just keep going like this, but that's why the assistants have done too good a job recruiting for him. So he keeps winning. So he, you know, and he kept winning Olympic championships and stuff. But I thought you were going to be the next head coach of of Duke. What led you to move on and take, you know, decide to take a head coaching job at Stanford, which is a great yeah. job. Well, of course, you love your alma mater, and you yep. know, and and that was it was a great experience. But that was never like like I said, my plan. You know, I know I, I can't envision the university without Coach K coaching it. To be quite frank, I, I and, agree. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. So for me, that was never. I think that was you know public perception and everyone else, but really wasn't my goal. Just like when I made the decision to go to Duke, you know, people thought I had bumped my head and I should have chosen a lot of different places besides Duke. I mean, I've always made my decisions based on, you know, kind of, you know, how I feel and, and what I'm trying to accomplish. And, and like I said, what, what he's done there has been amazing. And uh, now I was happy and fortunate to be a part of, you know, what's, what's happened. But, you know, that, like I said, for me, you know, I'll always, you know, root for them, of course, to do well, and, uh, of course, for Coach to be very successful. But, you know, I, my my path in my life, you know, taking a different direction. And uh, and it's where I am now. And, you know, I'm, I'm loving where I am. I loved, I'm, I'm real thankful for the opportunity. I love our conference. I think it's a great conference. And uh, you have great coaches in it. And, and I'm happy. And, uh, like I said, I'm not, you know, actively looking to be anyplace else but where I am. And that's kind of how I've always been when I made that decision to go there. And, and people, you know, wondered. And same thing when I'm, you know, here now at UCF. And uh, But, uh, like I said, it's, it's you know how it is in this profession. You just oh, yeah. want to be, you know, where you're happy, where you can, you know, where you know you can do something, you know, special. And, and you can be around the type of young people you want to, you know, continue to mentor and grow. Well, I think it's uh, whether it's at Stanford or UCF or it doesn't matter, you know, you make the job, right? You know, you determine what it's going to be. And, uh, you know, uh, I had uh, 
as you know a ton of fun when I was coaching a CBA team after coaching the Pistons, let's say, or you know helping out you know at UCF as a staff member. You know, just right. you know, you enjoy your your spot and what you do. Uh, you know, what has been you know. You know, uh, you know, and going back to Stanford, you did a hell of a job there. You know, a very tough job. Academics are no joke, as we like to say, as young people would say, they're no joke. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then uh, the disappointment of, you know, when you lose a job, I think, you know, it's probably other than an NBA situation as a player, might have been the first time you ever lost a coaching job. Am I right? No, it was. The first yeah. time I ever lost and, a coaching And so job. there's a whole deal that goes into there emotionally and stuff, confidence-wise and everything. And did you ever think that so quickly you'd get an opportunity? You know, I, I didn't. You no. Know, I, yeah. it, wasn't in, it wasn't in the plans, that's for sure. Right. Uh, you know, as you know, when you're going through a situation like that, that type of transition, you know, that's tough. I mean, because Very tough. that transition starts well before – you know, before you let go, <laughs> you know, with, with, you know, public opinion and, you know, you know, hot seats and all the things that go along with, yeah. you know, what's going on in that profession, uh, you know, that becomes, you know, becomes a lot longer than just that, that moment in time where someone says, you know, we have to let you go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the good thing about, you know, what I've always done, and I think I did this as a player, you know, I, well, I know I did as a player and it's really helped me, you know, as a coach as well. Like I don't follow you know, anything, you know, I don't read anything to do with me or the sport from the standpoint of that can, that can derail me or sidetrack me. And I learned that when I was a player, uh, you know, my father once said to me, I used to read all the articles all the time, reading the paper. He said, you need to start reading the paper. I'm like, why? He said, because so you keep reading the paper, you know, right now you're reading the good. He said, but you know, eventually you're going to be reading the bad. He said, you probably won't like that as much. <laughs> and I really didn't understand what he meant by it initially. So, of course, I kind of ignored it, kept reading the paper every now and then. And then I read a few things that I, I didn't find to be as appealing. And I'm like, you know, I now understand what he's saying. And so from that point to this, you know, this time in my life now, I don't keep up with anything of that nature. So unless someone like you tell me exactly what happened or what someone said or what someone wrote, you know, I won't have a clue because, you know, I, I don't have any interest in knowing that. I mean, we're talking about talking heads, you know, saying things about people they don't know or describing things that they don't maybe understand as well. So I don't, you know, I never participate in that. And I think that's always freed me up. So if you've ever seen me around, you see me, I'm, I don't have any hangups with that stuff because I'm not into that world at all and don't want to be. And uh, I think it's allowed me to kind of enjoy what I do, allow me to enjoy people because, you know, I don't have anything, you know, other agendas. I'm not reading anything that's that's taking me down different paths or anything of that nature. So unless someone like yourself would say, hey, you know, so-and-so wrote this or said this. I'd be like, oh, okay, uh, okay, that's that's how I'm gonna find out. But I won't find out because I actually, you know, got on the internet or picked up a paper to read about it. Now that that said, I don't read. I read a lot, but I just don't read a lot about our sport and what we do. Right. I just read a lot of other things that I, that I find more entertaining or or more things that can help me in my profession at becoming a better coach. So when Danny White, who I think is one of the great young ads in America, when he approaches you. 
do you know anything or much about UCF at that time, being a West Coast guy and stuff? The only time you're coming to Orlando is watching your son play AAU basketball in the summertime at Disney. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, what do you, what do you know or what do you think about the place, you know, before he even shows it to you, let's say? Uh, I, I think I'd met him one time before, uh-huh. uh, just had a casual dinner and met him and uh, with my AD at Stanford. So, uh, so I had no, you know, other than that, no knowledge of, you know, you know, who he was other than, you know, he was an athletic director, of course. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and for me, you know, when, you know, I, I'm thinking I'm going to be sitting out, maybe looking at doing some television or maybe looking at just, you know, spending more time with my family for another year or so. I'm not anticipating, you know, coaching, right. you know, for at least a year or so. And, you know, to kind of catch my breath before, you know, moving on to the next thing and, you know, so then, you know, I find out that, you know, you know, one of the guys are being considered for, you know, an opportunity to coach at UCF. Of course, I didn't know anything about the university at the time. Had never been by here. Right. And so I'm just going, OK, there's some interest, you know, talk to my wife. You know, what do you know? What do you think? And she's, you know, basically, you know, what do you want to do? And as I love, you know, I love, you know, mentoring young people. I love coaching. I prefer doing that than anything else. And so she said, you know, why not go for it then and see if, you know, see if it, you know, it's a good fit, see if they, you know, be interested in you. And uh, so then from that point on, I just followed the normal process, you know, of being interviewed and going through all the different things, learning more about the university. And the more I learned, the more exciting I, you know, I became. I'm like, you know, this place is, you know, it's incredible. I mean, for a university I really hadn't heard of uh, or much of, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't know how much it had to offer. And uh, It's amazing. But you know, because like so you've been here as well. It, it is is truly an amazing you know institution to be so young. You know, this university was what came about in what 1963. You're talking about 54 years old or so. I mean, uh, to have, be that young and that and to be you know is moving is in, a, in a positive direction that fast uh, speaks volumes for the leadership that they've had here under President Hit. You know, Doctor Hit. You know, just retired after 25 years being the president. Uh, he's led his university to a great place. And, uh, of course, our athletic director, you know, Danny White, is uh, just he's been amazing and uh, continuing to, you know, build these programs up and, and putting, you know, UCF on the national stage. When you uh, – for the, our listeners that on a national basis, we even have worldwide listeners, is tell the people about how many students we have there at UCF. <laughs> it's, it's a- uh, we're 67,000 students. It's amazing. It's, it, has it taken overtaken Arizona State as number one, or are we still number two? Well, I hear we're number one. Yeah, uh, no, we're going to say mean, number I, one. I, I we're national we're champs one, in but... football, and now we're number one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, we are. It's it's it's, it's, it's going to continue to grow. Uh, just their vision for for this property out here and what they're doing. Uh, with the campus and, and and adding campuses to what we have, yeah. uh, it, it's just destined to continue to grow, and it's like the number one school. I mean, I think as far as you know, applicants applying in our state, you know, most of the kids apply. More applicants applicants apply here than any school in our state, which which speaks volume. So uh, the school is really really has left you know an impression on a lot of people. You have you have your son this year going to play for you. Unfortunately, Aubrey got hurt last year preseason. Uh, transferred from Michigan. Tell 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 our listeners the kind of player he is. Uh, you know, it'd be the first time I've ever coached him. I, 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 I think it's so cool. 
I used to, I used to work them out all the time, you know, after practice, you know, when I was an assistant, I used to, you know, grab them, you know, after school, come by, after you do your homework, let's work out. Uh, when I was a head coach, same thing after we'd practice later on that evening and I can still hear my wife, you know, you know, he has school in the morning, you know, he has school in the morning. <laughs> so, you know, would uh, it always would end with that, you know, get him back home. And so, uh, you know, he was, you know, interesting. He's, you know, never you know, had a desire to coach him, but, but, you know, always wanted to train him to make sure he had the right skills to be successful. And, uh, you know, I think we both got to an age, you know, where for me here, I think I thought the timing was right uh, to come and, 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 and be, let me allow me to coach him. I thought he had a great experience where he was prior to that. He loved Coach Beeline and, sure. and the program where he was. Uh, but, uh, you know, he wanted to, you know, say, you know what, wanted an opportunity to kind of reconnect. You know, I had lost, you know, touch because he leaves to go to college. You know, and they're gone, as you know. <laughs> and uh, so we were able to reconnect, which has been great. Uh, he's a, you know, he's a long, versatile, you know, two, three kind of player. He can play the position. Uh, he's about, you know, six, six and a half, you know, uh, can, you know, step outside and knock down shots from the perimeter. Uh, you know, he also can, you know, he's, he's athletic at the rim. I uh, can put the ball on the floor. Uh, so he's, he's a skilled player, you know, with, with good length and size. And uh, like I said, like every player, he's, you know, he's drastic, you know, work to continue to get better. But the one thing about him and he's, he's hungry and he stays in the gym, you know, he wants to be really good. And, uh, you know, usually, you know, when you, when you are committed like that, you know, you have a chance to be successful. That's so neat. I hope that goes great for you this year, and I hope he stays injury-free. Talk about my last guy, my one of my favorites of all time, uh, Taco Fall, America's tallest player, but one of the smartest, neatest kids I've ever been involved with. Talk about Taco. Well, Taco's everything you just said. Uh, everything you just said. Uh, you know, I've, I've you know I've been fortunate. Like I said, I coached for a long time now, and have worked with a lot of young people. Uh, he's one of the best young people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. I mean, just just who he is as a human being, you know, what he stands for. I mean, uh, just maybe, you know, one of the nicest guys that you'll ever meet. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never seen Taco in my, you know, this is going on my third year working with him. I've never seen Tacos tell someone no as far as someone wanting a picture or an autograph or anything. He's never said no. I mean, and that's mm -hmm. amazing because I keep waiting, okay, when's he going to have a, you know, bad day? You know, everyone has a bad day and <laughs> – and, uh, you know, I've never seen this young man have one. And uh, that's, that speaks volumes about who he is. Like you said, he came here, he was initially majoring in engineering. So, you know, I've coached a lot of, you know, players. And, and uh, I know how challenging it is to major in engineering, you know, and, and trying to play our sport. And uh, so it spoke volumes with him. So he has an you know, amazing intellectual, you know, curiosity. He wants to continue to learn. He wants to be really good at everything. And, uh, you know, it speaks, you know, multiple languages. And uh, he's, he's been a joy to be around and yeah. coach. And, and I tell people all the time, I say, Taco does not make bad decisions. I mean, I look through all his life and, and he's had, you know, great support systems with, 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 with Mandy and their family. And they've, they've given him great support. He's had great support, you know, from everyone that's been in his life. And I think that's allowed him to really also navigate everything he has to go through as smoothly as he has had as he's navigated it because there's a lot pulling on you when you're seven, six, 300 pounds and expectations are you to be an NBA player and the timeline on all those things. And Taco has run his own race. You know, he hadn't run someone else's race. He's like, you know, I'm not quite ready. And uh, he stayed. And uh, That's great. in this day and age for a young person to really, you know, think that out and, and uh, take the information and really, you know, 
digest it and make that type of decision is is amazing. And so another another you know point for Taco, where like I said before, he doesn't make bad decisions. Uh, he wants to get a great education. He wants to learn. He wants to be a you know of course in in, in the NBA, and and he should be because he you know he's talented enough. But he, you know, but he's running his own race. He's not running someone else's. And uh, and like I said, I've enjoyed, you know, getting to know him and developing that relationship. He's going to watching him. Grow. He's going to be the tallest engineer in the world. And, <laughs> and, 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 and he stays with it. He surely will. He sure be will. He, uh, and he and he's he's special. He's yeah. Special. Well, Johnny, you're one of my best friends, my and I'm so excited for you. So pleased that you're running that program there, and uh, it is in great hands. And uh, can't wait to get back to town to see you. And thanks again for taking time. I know our listeners are going to love this and look forward to seeing you over the summer. No, thanks, Brandon. I really appreciate this opportunity. And uh, you do a terrific job. And I listen to your podcast, a uh, number of coaches you've had on. It's been amazing. And I think it's been very informative for all of us. Like I said, we're always trying to get better. And uh, you provide a platform for that. So, again, thank you for what you do. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate John. Thank you so much and good luck. Thank you. Take care. Terrific call with Johnny Dawkins. Uh, Outstanding coach, great conversation, great stories, great person. Uh, reminder, coaching you live, July 9 and 10 in Vegas. Best ever, all VIPs. You're having a chance to get right up close and personal, right on the floor, all the videos, networking, 20 speakers. We're going to have uh, some of the best minds and thought leaders in the game of basketball and the great, great John Gordon is going to talk on leadership. I think it's going to be one of those can't-miss experiences, the videos, as well as the intimate ability to be right up and close to these guys will be really special. Uh, remember now, we also have our Coaching You on Campus, which we're doing from now. We're booked into the beginning of June all the way through uh, next season. We can come in, men's or women's programs. We can spend a day or two with you. Uh, and it's just you and your staff and myself. And we're going to do, we're going to bring our coaching you program to you. I have 12 topics. First time ever that I'm going to share, uh, with you, the head coach, uh, to really benefit from. And then a t I have a two hour presentation, interactive program with your assistants to take them to the next level. And also, if you'd like, I have a program where I'm also going to talk to your players on the keys and the vision for winning. It's very powerful. Uh, have a ton of fun doing it. And the programs we did last year really benefited from it. So, again, contact me at brendansir at gmail.com and get some more information, pricing, schedules, etc. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir. Sure.